Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back once again. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox. We're going live from New York City, kind of. I'm sitting in my restaurant in Brooklyn, Della. We've had to use Zoom, as the rest of the world has, to conduct our social activities. I am well far away from my guest today. No issue with social distancing. I thought about wearing a mask, but then I was like, man, that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So before I introduce my guests, I'm going to give you the message of the week. I usually don't read articles a whole lot, especially news articles. But lately, there's been some really interesting stuff coming down the pipe, especially in regards to the restaurant industry. And this was just a general uh, business article from the New York Times earlier this week entitled, I don't think the New York that we left will be back for some years. And it's a great just synopsis of what's happening in the the business community, especially is what they're really talking about. Um, It was just a really great quote from this article that stood out to me. New York City has been the center of calamity before the September 11th terror attacks, the 2008 banking crisis, the 1970s. (laughs) And each time, economic life bounced back stronger, but also scarred. The obituary of New York City has been written more than once, and it's always been proven incorrect. Boom! I just, I thought that was fantastic. And my guest today, we have two, both uh, are based in New York City here, uh, so I thought it was very appropriate to bring them on. The first of which is my good friend, Brent Lagerman. Brent, how you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, I just, uh, I was running a little late. I went over to Home Depot, which is why I still have the mask on. Uh, but uh, it's not what's that, what's that Will Ferrell movie? He's like, I'm going to go to Home Depot. And what, what is that? Do you remember that? Where he's like at the frat party? And uh, I don't remember that. Every time I hear that, I went to that's Home my Depot. Life. I just think right. of Will Ferrell. That's my getaway. I want to like, you know, get away from the family for a while. It's like, just go to Home Depot, walk down the aisles. <laughs> right. Because you ain't in Brooklyn no more. You don't want to go to the Home Depot here too much. That's like back against the wall, gun to the head. Okay, we'll go to Home Depot. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm up in the Hudson Valley in beautiful Cold Spring, New York. A little shout out to Cold Spring. Um, But yeah, we're... uh, it's uh, good and bad, you know, we're not, not able to get to the city quite as easily, but there's plenty of great hiking and outdoor stuff to do. So appreciate being able to get outside a little bit right now. Nice. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So tell everybody about your company, what you do. Yeah. Yada, yada. So uh, my company, I, I've had a few companies in Brooklyn, actually. Uh, the first one was called Mimo e Mima, and it was a web design company. Uh, specifically just designing websites for small businesses, super businesses, like restaurants, like your own. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, also, you know, artists, uh, just really anybody who needed a website uh, back in the days when you couldn't even have Wix and stuff like that. We were doing this for like the last 15 years. Um, and then even after things like, you know, Wix and, and Squarespace came along, there's still a lot of people who need more custom work. So we were doing that type of work. And then, and then uh, the whole uh, startup scene started to blow up in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that, we kind of uh, started, branched off and we have another agency, which is also still going strong called Condensed. And uh, Condensed is basically branding for startups. Um, so we do, uh, whenever a startup is getting started, they usually need a strong brand, like the look and feel and the way that they communicate with people. We help them define all those things. Sometimes we even do things like name the company and stuff like that. Um, But we always do, we came from a web design background and where we have a lot of programmers on our team. So we always do all of the the digital, the online aspect of it, which is uh, kind of maybe what we should talk about today is just like ways that, you know, companies can go online and and still exist in today's kind of craziness. Um, Absolutely. doing more and more uh, over the last few weeks and months is uh, just kind of trying to help some of our clients kind of pivot themselves and change the messaging a little bit and try to make it so that, you know, that people realize they're still, they're still exist. They're still doing stuff. They still have value. Um, So that's kind of like the the current struggle and, and how we're trying to help people out. And you, you have some experience in brick and mortar as well, because you had a shared workspace here in Brooklyn. You want to tell everybody about that as well? 
Yeah, uh, well, that was mainly Teresa, my wife, uh, and her business partner, Abby, started the uh, Founders Workspace uh, up in the kind of at the corner of what is that, 11th Avenue? 10th Ave. 10th Ave. Have you been gone that long? (laughs) (laughs) Forgot the streets. (laughs) When I was there, I'm like, where am I? Yeah. Um, I'm not good with directions. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's uh, it had been good to just get a lot of people from the neighborhood to share an office space together. And uh, it was cool to meet a lot of small businesses that way. We helped a lot of them with their web presence as well, mm. um, which is great. But yeah, obviously. This so, like, but you know a little, you know, a little bit of the inside story on like actually paying rent and utilities and like having... Yeah an actual an actual store a storefront it's a struggle even when even when there isn't covid going on so i don't right. I can't even <laughs> i feel like you know it, yeah. was, it was hard enough this uh yeah it's it's insane like trying to cover rent right now i wonder how that's going yeah no well a lot of people just aren't um there was another really great article written by the owner of prune uh it's a restaurant in the east village they they opened in 99 and she closed um, just a few hours. She just preemptively decided to do it, but just a few hours before um, Cuomo's, you know, deadline. Here you go. You got to close your dining room. She just like felt it. And they, you know, their their operation, I'm sure their rent was astronomical, even after signing subsequent leases. You know, each time you sign, it goes, it goes up again. Um, and, and it was just this, it's funny because it's not like an obituary of her restaurant you don't get the sense that she's given up, but it it's damn sure melancholy. It's just like, damn. And it talks about like, I'm, I'm just reading it and it's like reading pages out of my own life because it's all those, mm-hmm. those things that you go through. Uh, and, and, and she was saying like over the last six or seven years, it's already, you're, you already under tremendous pressure. It just became not, she was basically, and I, I say the same joke all the time. I'm basically a nonprofit at this point, you know, it's like I have a nonprofit restaurant because it's just so hard to turn a profit these days. And then you throw something like this in the mix and, and it's, it's just like the pieces scatter in the air, like those cartoons where they're just like hanging in the air, suspended in time. Nobody knows quite where they're going to land and who's going to get hurt. Uh, but somebody will for sure. And it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, under those circumstances client, uh, one of our larger clients is a an outdoor adventure park so like they <laughs> they basically had uh you know what they do is uh it's like a treetop adventure where you have zip lines and you're going yeah, yeah. and stuff they have three locations now and you know they had over easily over a million dollars of like pre-sales that basically everybody pulled out of yeah so you know they're like stressing. I mean, at least like, you know, some people are able to do things to creatively stay open like you, which is great. But then there's others who there's just like no hope. There's nothing that this whole year is just like something yeah. pretty much. Um, so, you know, I think they'll be back and they'll, they'll do well next year. But this year is a why. Cool. Well, not for nothing. I stayed open, but I, we're not making any money in 2020. It's just no, like I it's know, gone. But, <laughs> but like March, you were like, oh, that's it. <laughs> this is a good transition into like what people can do because yes. like you you're being really creative in, in the ways that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're providing a service to the community. I think the community is going to remember that, you know, like it's not, it's not, <laughs> well, they will they definitely. Will. And I think that that's the thing that a lot of people who, who do provide services that are maybe bricks and mortars can try to figure out if it's possible, maybe it's not, but, but the ones that can to try, just keep at it. And like, just don't forget like the reason you're doing this, like you're, you're providing a service to the community and you know, the community remembers these things or like, you know, they'll be back and they'll appreciate it. So that's what we're, we're trying to do is to try to like figure out ways to not be annoying, but remind people like, Hey, we're open. And if you need this thing, we're, we're here yeah. for you type of a thing. So. And even, even if you're not open, nice. <laughs> Welcome to the zoom world. <laughs> the first time I, I did this from here, I forgot to turn the phone lines off in the restaurant. And of course, like nobody's ever here during the day. The phone's like, I was like, mm. I was in the middle of a broadcast, <laughs> nothing I could do. So, um, what was I going to say? Um, bah, 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 bah. Even if you're not open and currently active, though, th- I think what you said is really important. Like, 
stay top of mind through your social media, through your website, get creative. I've seen, I've seen some really creative things that companies that were just forced to completely shut down, not able to operate at all, not considered essential, were, would potentially be hazardous and still, you know, trying just, just sprinkle little, little imagery videos and stuff, um, in front of people because they have every intention of opening back up. And I think, I think depending on your type of operation, um, so right next to, uh, Della now, uh, where the dry cleaners used to be, there's a, a, like a game space. In fact, I just had the guy on the show right before this all went down. He had just opened and it was so funny cause it was like, you know, this guy's brand new. He's hot. He's fired up. He hasn't hit like the real road bumps yet. So I wanted to bring him on to see like where his, what his disposition was in like the next week he had to close. <laughs> I'm like, well, there you go. So I'm going to bring him back on soon because <laughs> so he's weathered and, and battered at this point. Battered. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. what, uh, what I was going to say was, um, it, you know, it's like a, a game lab, like the places throughout Park Slope, you know, it's just like a gaming center. And, and essentially, like, he's, he's built out. His gear is all in there. You know, he is the only employee. Obviously, he's behind on, on rent and utilities right now. But essentially, a business like that. I mean, I, I, I make it sound easy because I'm running a bunch of crazy operations right now. And if we shut down, that would be it. I mean, essentially, he can turn the key, turn on the lights, you know, muster up some, some money to pay some bills to get himself back operational. And of course, he's not going to make any money for 2020. But if he loves his business and he's dedicated to this, which I think he is, um, he could get back open where if you were like a retail store with perishables or a restaurant and you yeah. shut down, like, how do you start back? That Like, so it costs so much money to open for one day. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to do that. That that one's that one's the one that I'm scratching my head at. Um, but but a lot of these businesses that I think could shift gears pretty quickly and get back up, and I think it's really important for them to continue, as you were saying, like stay top of mind, let people know there's still we're still here, there's still potential. We're not, you yeah, know, and don't be forgotten. Like, don't let yourself be forgotten. It's possibly also a good opportunity for businesses to think about ways to go online. Like we're right now, we're working uh, mm -hmm. at a jujitsu studio, uh, Unity, which I think I told you about before. Um, no, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, check them out. They're in Manhattan, uh, and they had been wanting to do an online uh, kind of like a video on demand uh, type of a website to teach people how to do jujitsu online for years. And you yeah. know, we had always said. Yeah, sure. Just let us know. We'll, we'll do it. And then, like now that this is happening, they're like, "Okay, we need this now." now. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, kind of scrambling to get that going, and you know, it, it's it's kind of uh, you know other clients of ours who also were mainly brick and mortar businesses, uh, but like had spent the time to to create an online presence extremely well right now. Like we had another fit, like to just contrast that with like another fitness company, we have this other one that we work with called Bali X and uh, they, they uh, had been spent, had us over the course of like the last two years and we've been creating this video on demand system for them. Um, and now their business is better than ever. Like it, it, they, like a big uptick because everybody's at home working out. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's not just that type of a business, like, you know, any business could have some sort of good online yes. presence so that I th it's good to start thinking if, if you haven't already and you're a brick and mortar, you should think like game, like game lab or somebody like that. I could totally see running games online. Like mm -hmm. that's like totally um, but yeah, yeah. Just, even so if, you even if you're not making money just to stay, just to stay engaged with people, you know? Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. And cool. some people are making money on it too. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. We're going to take a quick break. All right, Brent, we'll be back in just a few, everyone. You're listening to the entrepreneurial web. You're listening to the talking alternative network. Do you 
run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. everybody once again welcome back you're listening to the entrepreneurial web i'm your host jeremiah fox here with my friend former well still he's still working on my web stuff uh former neighbor we'll call him that (laughs) he's still my friend former neighbor still working on my on my web presence brent lagerman of condensed branding and web design uh we were just discussing uh, how important it is for businesses, whether you're still active right now or inactive, to stay top of mind. You must use some digital presence because we can't get close to each other. A lot of businesses, people can't even come in your place anymore. And Brent has some really good ideas. And he was just talking about uh, some of the businesses he's been servicing. Two of them, uh, both are fitness oriented. One is a fitness program where people can do it at home. And the other you said was unity jujitsu. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, they, they had been wanting to create this online presence for the longest time and just kept pushing it, punting it forward. And yeah. now it's like at the point where it's, it's a necessity. So, and I think that, you know, because of COVID and because of what's happening, just once we get out of this, who's to say that it's not going to come back or, you know, it just shows yeah. that, you, I mean, you really do need an online presence. You don't know what's going to yes. happen. Going forward, it's going to be a must. And it's funny because, you know, I, I've been training jujitsu for almost five years now and, and really, you know, at least paid attention to a lot of the trends that have been happening with it. And, and people started to kick out online instructional videos. And there's one particular person who, who has had a lot of success with it. Um, which is John Danaher out of uh, Hensel Gracie Academy in in Manhattan. He's the he's I, I think he's like the head in jujitsu instructor there, and he started uh, a a video series with BJJ fanatics. Um, and I mean they're like eight hours long, they're <laughs> like really really in depth. And he was but he was selling them. You could buy them like DVDs or you could download them, and right. and he was cranking them out. And that that probably started I don't know maybe a year to 18 months ago. And I think other people were like, okay, we got to get on this. Like there's money to be made there and it's good for branding and it's, it's good for awareness and it's, you know, potentially good for jujitsu. But of course it's always been the same with restaurants. It's like my place. I want you to come inside. I don't want to, I don't want to send you food to eat it on your couch. Like that, that's a disservice. I mean, right now we're adjusting cause that's just the, the name of the game. But um, a lot of, I think a lot of places like that were like, no, this is supposed to be like hands-on and now you can't be so hands-on and you probably they're probably going to be limitations going forward i mean i'm reading like what the federal uh requirements for phase one of like reopening a dining room is and it's just like oh my god (laughs) it's like it's crazy it's like no more than 10 people everybody in masks and gloves checking temperatures disposable menus no talking between the staff and the and the, and the patron just literally like they're ordering from an app on their phone and paying. And just, I'm like, God, that's not Dalla, man. This is like, you come in, we get close, we talk. We... What's that? 
you might as well do takeout at that point. <laughs> well, I mean, we are right now. I mean, that's our only business, but I think I think that's going to be a big part of it. And so, like, just for everybody listening, what what I did with you uh, recently, what Brent did uh, did all of our branding and our our web design so far, and. Um, as soon as this kicked in, I was like, I need to make the website because people were calling and they were like, I'm looking for things on your website. And it just it wasn't set up to like look quickly, place an order, you know, even over the phone. It was like it was this longer, more intimate thing, you know, explore, look around the same. We wanted it to be a representation of like how you would be if you came into Della. And now it's not like that. So I was like, we got to switch this up like quickly. Oh, just a splash page with what we offer right now. What's available right now? what our hours are, how you can reach us, boom, in and out, one, two, three. And it, it made the biggest difference. So thank you for that because it really, it really helped out a lot. Um, and, yeah. and I think, I think that's like the, 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 the takeaway for people right now is like, just find those adjustments. We had to do the same thing at the wine store. We had to set up a full e-commerce site and we'd been, you know, we'd been talking about this for 12 years and never did anything about it. And all of a sudden it was like, no, now is the time. And it's been fantastic. It's been so fantastic. And the store is still open there. People still walk inside. But it's just responding to people's demands. You know, like, what do people need? What are the real needs? And that is like the essence of entrepreneurship is like, here's the needs. Here's the solution. Who's going to put it together? And that is the entrepreneur. <laughs> so we were just like, okay, we have to do this now. We did. And of course, there were some bumps, but it, it worked out. And it's it serviced a whole lot of people. No, there's still plenty of people that are just like, I want to come in. I'm like, fine, you can come in. But there are so many people who are like, I'm scared to come in. I just want to walk to your door, stand outside and be like, hey, this is my name. And we hand them a box full of, of uh, self-medication. <laughs> now needed more than ever, right? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> cool. So what other, what other kind of things have been happening for you? And what is your projection for kind of, based off the, the companies you've been servicing, you don't have to be specific about companies or details, but just a general projection about the future of some of the, you know, of brick and mortar, and then also like how digital can best service and then make sure you tell everybody because I'll probably forget information to get in contact with you if they'd like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, when we, I guess the it's really hard to say the future, obviously, but you know, I, I, like we already covered, I think there's there's not going to be any real excuse not to have a digital presence anymore. I think that people need to to really double down on that. And even if everything gets like to be rainbows and leprechauns when we get out of this, which is probably not going to be the case, digital presence is never bad. <laughs> like it's never a bad investment. So uh, even if everything was going great with your brick and mortar, still still people need to find you. They're going to look online to find you. So it's good to have a really good, solid digital presence. And the more that you can try to find ways to offer up your services uh, virtually is, I think, can just be good for you for the long term. Uh, when we were helping you do this little pivot, uh, it was a crazy time because I think I actually had COVID. I had like this two two week really bad flu. So uh, luckily we have a team that can can work through that. And yeah, I was like out for a bit. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, everybody else out there who hasn't gotten it yet, it's not fun. And <laughs> there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of uh, fear and uncertainty in these these next coming months, especially with things reopening. So, you know, just try to stay safe and try to find ways to, to get online and, and do things in a safe way responsible way, I guess is my advice. And you can find me on condensed.io, uh, condensed, C-O-N-D-E-N-S-E-D dot I-O. So I've talked to uh, people from a bunch of different industries lately. And just even before this, the only people I talked to and really hung out and spent time with were like business owners from a bunch of different industries. It just turned out that way. But lately, it, the feedback I'm getting, especially from people that are just like pretty much exclusively involved in digital products and services are like, no, we're doing okay. Like, in fact, some of us are doing better right now. So it seems like it's always a good investment, whether it's just like a, a subsidy, like a small part of your business, that there's a digital thing happening that you're investing in and, and, and there's a monetary exchange on, or whether you're like a full-blown investor or participant in a digital company. It, it's been on my radar for about the last year. Like, oh, and I, I hated it before. I was never... I, was, I, I interviewed this guy who was like, he started his own digital marketing company. And I was like, so you have no rent. You have no, like, you don't pay taxes. You have no employees. You just, and he was like, yeah, no, you start an LLC and, and away you go. And I'm like, 
I, th- I need to fucking do this, man. Cause I just got like, there's no inspectors, like nothing. <laughs> like I'm going through hell to make like peanuts. And this guy's like chilling. He's like, I think I'm going to buy a house in this neighborhood. And I'm like, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good move. <laughs> yeah. Now we don't do really digital marketing. Uh, that's a, like a whole right. lot of things, but, uh, but yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a, such a, it's such a, if you really do spend the time and, and become like a, top tier digital marketer you're you're doing well let's just say that um, right but but just any kind of any way you can exchange monetarily digitally is is was a good move before and now like super good move and probably a necessity going forward yeah i would say for sure so have you guys seen have things been stable for you have you have you seen less activity have you seen more we've seen uh a lot less uh, activity of because we 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 basically create new businesses like that's our kind of bread and butter and right is have slowed down substantially. Um, so, yeah. uh, our our other side of things is just maintaining and uh, and helping out the businesses that we started. And so yeah. in, the, in those respects, we've been able to stay afloat just because like these people need help and we're we're helping them continue to keep going um but yeah no we've taken a huge hit as far as like nobody's starting a business in the last month uh we've had like one business that has started in the last month that we've worked on is this kind of another cool fitness startup that they're just trying to do a uh kind of like a social workout um Mm. they they do uh it's kind of like it's called anchor a-n-c-k-o-r dot love i can't remember Again, no details. <laughs> uh, but but you know, there, it's a it's very uh, rare that anybody is starting something right now. So you know, the branding space is taking a huge hit for sure. Yeah, and you know, just trying to bring companies online that's been that's been good to try to help just help out with that. But you know, it's not uh, the kinds of businesses that are flourishing right now, or maybe the kinds that are that have like a, a, a direct to consumer online in presence that that is like really you know and that like for instance like an online workout like we've been seeing a lot of that an uptick in those types of businesses and i think it's been down for sure yeah Yeah. i I think that's a a good another good point about the potential future is that the the reports coming out are even young people that just were not healthy that you know where obesity was a factor where diabetes people with poor diets and people that had been pretty sedentary, they're, they're really struggling through this. So there could be a big, a big, big opportunity for online fitness, you know, just fitness in general, but but definitely online being able to, to do it out of, you know, the privacy of your own home and consultation on diet. And, you know, that's something I would totally get down with. I mean, in, in terms of offering it, because I love, I love to eat well and I love to work out. Uh, and I've taught, I've taught a few classes. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, I think that, well as the, the other side of the coin, right? Like if you really do need to start, uh, getting good food and just making sure they're not eating crap, you know? <laughs> right. And, and, you know, I've, I've participated largely in the, in the food, uh, distribution, uh, to people lately, you know, even Della's been, uh, distributing uh, lunches to hospital workers uh, through a nonprofit organization here. Um, but also just like my, you know, my participation in the Woods Terrace Food Co-op as well. Um, and and it, it became top of mind for people really quickly. Like, oh, we need good food, not just, but like all food stores have done great. <laughs> like and the bodegas are doing like double, well, they were for a while. I don't know what it's like right now, but they were definitely doing like double their normal business, you know, and grocery stores. And so like people really focused on food. I think those would be two really good takeaways for people too, is like, you need to be fit, find those ways to do it. There's going to be a lot of resources and make sure you're, you're getting the right kind of nutrition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Keep your immunity. Yeah. Sure. Well, thank you so much, man. We're going to finish your portion of the show. Really great to catch up with you. You will definitely be hearing yeah. from me soon. We're going to continue this relationship. Uh, I've got some ideas for what the future of, of Dell is going to look like, and I'm going to need your help. So thank you for everything you've done so far. You and the family take care. Great talking to you. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Alex Clark from Fort Hamilton Rye. We'll be back with you in just a few, everyone. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. 
Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, you're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox, coming live from Brooklyn, New York, where this portion of the show, I will be joined by the owner of Fort Hamilton Rye, Fort Hamilton Rye, based in Brooklyn, New York here as well. My guest, Alex Clark. Alex, how the hell are you doing, man? Hi, Jeremiah. I'm doing really well, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Finally. Nice shirt. Yeah. Nice shirt. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. Thank you. Hey, finally, I like you too. We're twinsies. Why are you busting my balls? You were the one that couldn't come on the show. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, shutdowns have their upsides. What can I you say? You ain't got no job. That's right. <laughs> no what can I say? It's a beautiful thing. Okay, so let's give everybody your backstory. You started a whiskey company, a spirits company here in New York called Fort Hamilton, named after the Fort Hamilton base in Bay Ridge, but also it's the name of the train station in our neighborhood where we live on the F. And there's some irony to that because our friend Alex here is from Great Britain and (laughs) the Fort Hamilton base was originally a British base, but it was taken by the U S and I think he's, I think he's come to take it back. I think he's, I think he's (laughs) going to try to get everybody hammered. That's right. And he's going to just take it back. He's going to give just that base back to the crown. He's going to be like, I, I just, just, I got something for you. Just this, this little bit. They're all drunk. You can just walk right in. <laughs> That's the plan. That's the plan. I knew it, man. I fucking knew it. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> give everybody yeah. a little history into how and why you would start something so crazy and lucrative, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. So lucrative. <laughs> give, give us a little history. How did you get in involved in spirits besides just the fact that you drink too much? Well, there's that. Um, there's that. But, uh, you know, I kind of uh, got from one side of the bar to the other and worked with Tasha uh, uh, Petrasky, who was famously uh, opened a bar called Milk and Honey mm-hmm. in the late 90s in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, and that's considered kind of ground zero for the cocktail renaissance, uh, uh, which has been going on ever since. Uh, he, he kind of came up with this speakeasy-style bar and uh, was a kind of secretive, uh, made beautiful cocktails using only the finest ingredients, went back into the history books to, um, to look at the original recipes and um and bring those back to life it's something that that you know has been replaced by 
sour mix and mm. bright colors throughout the, the 70s, the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Um, but uh, delving back into the, the origins of, of spirits and liquors and cocktails uh, was, was what he did well and has been uh, emulated and copied by many others since. And yeah, yourself <laughs> included. I think the, the truth is we all owe a debt to that guy. Uh, Absolutely. Shining a light back on some beautiful American history and some uh, original American class. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I got behind a bar with, uh, with those guys and, and started learning how to make cocktails properly. You know, back in the UK, I would pour pints and, uh, <laughs> and uh, shots, and that was one thing. Savagery. <laughs> yeah, savagery, exactly. But, uh, you know, really, really understanding the craft of cocktails, um, it brought it to life for me and started to delve into the, the history of it and realized that um, rye whiskey was the base for uh, a lot of the classic American cocktails. Yep. Um, but uh, back then in 2006, I think it was when we were doing it, um, there wasn't uh, really any rye to be had in America. There was two brands, really. There was Rittenhouse, um, which is an old Pennsylvania brand, which uh, was snatched up by uh, a Kentucky distiller um, and was produced down in Kentucky ever since. And Old Overholt, similarly a Pennsylvania brand, which was uh, transported to Kentucky, um, corn was added to these mash bills. Uh, the, the, the flavors profiles were watered down, um, and as were the, the proof of the spirits. Um, so you couldn't really find anything that, that spoke to the history of rye whiskey, and yet all these rye whiskey cocktails were now coming back into fashion. Mm-hmm. So it sort of occurred to me that uh, we should be looking to recreate that original style of rye whiskey, and New York. Um, was ground central for, for ground zero sorry for um the the uh, the rye whiskey um production back in the day and the northeast of america uh, where where rye grows plentifully uh, so it's a, it's a hardy winter crop cover crop for most farmers uh, and grows well in, in harsh winter conditions so north america uh, the northern eastern part of america is, is good for that and as you can continue to go further north into canada uh, it, it, that continues as well. Uh, that's why the Canadians are pretty fond of rye too. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, after I left uh, the bartending with those guys, I uh, started to launch, a, uh, as the director of sales, a brand called Widow Jane, which is quite a famous whiskey in New York, if not America now. It was one of the earliest craft whiskeys out of New York City. So I, I launched that brand to them to the distribution in the back of a car and did a lot of the hard work. It was a bourbon uh, for the most part. And, right. and truth be told, my uh, my main love uh, is rye whiskey. So uh, I made it my mission to put, to, since, to, to put rye back on its pedestal as the king of the American whiskey. A long way to go on that one. You got, it, got, you got, some, you got some, some time. <laughs> yeah, I've got a little bit of time before we manage to do that. But, you know, I think it's a worthwhile mission. Rye is Absolutely. Uh, a, a much more complex whiskey yes. than is. Um, and consequently, it makes much more complex cocktails, uh, which is why a lot of people favor it in an old-fashioned uh, and uh, a Manhattan. Um, and once people uh, discover... Uh, you know, you can convince someone to, to switch their bourbon Manhattan to a rye Manhattan. Even if it's just one time, you, you can end up with a legion of fans because it's just better. So um, that's that's what I've been up to, really. So trying to, trying to figure out how to build Port Hamilton into a, a viable business um, and overcome all the obstacles that, that are there, which are plentiful. Um, and not least of which is the uh, need for inventory. Uh, and that's really the biggest, the biggest thing I've been dealing with for the last four years is building up inventory. And, and you, so you went from, well, one, the consumer side. <laughs> yeah. I think you're still a consumer. <laughs> Two, you were on the service end, much like myself, where mm-hmm. you, were, you were selling it to consumers. And then you transition to pretty much, I mean, I know you still bartend some, but you, uh, your, your main goal right now is to supply restaurants and retail stores with, uh, with, with your product, with a product. So you've gone to the supply side now 
Yeah. Um, yeah moving and, up the thing, I guess. <laughs> is that, <laughs> I think you make less money now, though. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. There's like that 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 yin and yang to it, you know. <laughs> there is, but but you know, I I guess uh, I, rather stupidly, I don't think I set out with with money being the goal here. Right. Know, or, me. or rather sensibly. You know, yeah, we're both we're in the I, same I boat be disappointed by the lack of money <laughs> we're going to be in the same stupid boat together yeah, going but, hmm. but that's okay. you know uh i think heart goes a long way in this business and um I think and in spirits and yes indeed um, <laughs> want the hearts so no to, heads and tails to uh to to make my goal not so much you know just just making money but to, to really get behind rye whiskey as a yep. category and to elevate it um, is, um, is you know, a, a good goal to have. So that's what I've been really doing. But that involves, you know, educating people. And I think part of the part of the, the, the game has been to, to get people on board with rye whiskey. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people consider rye like, oh, that's, that's Canadian whiskey. That's what right. I drank, you know, Canadian club or something, which it isn't. You know, Canadian rye is, is generally, uh, you know, mostly neutral spirit blended with a very little bit of, of Canadian rye whiskey. Mm. Whereas American rye, uh, is uh, a lot of rye in, in the mash bill, no no blending ingredients, and um, so you get a much more fuller and richer product. So to start, you have to educate people that, that rye isn't what your granddad drank, uh, and American rye is this very special thing that, uh, that almost disappeared. And you know, pre-prohibition, rye was the biggest uh, whiskey in America and the, the biggest uh, alcoholic liquor uh, in America. Uh, and prohibition wiped out most of the distilleries in the northeast of America. Um, and post-prohibition, uh, there are other industries there that had taken their place. Um, and ultimately, uh, they didn't reopen. And so most of the distillations in America centered after prohibition in Kentucky. And uh, Kentucky distillers love nothing more than distilling corn. Right. Throwing it in a barrel and calling it. <laughs> bourbon but uh, the flavor profile is different uh, it's sweeter and um, it's, it's less complex it's a little less spicy maybe be a little less rich as well yeah um, but it's also cheaper to make so from a from a producer's perspective you your business perspective you're probably better off making um corn whiskey aka bourbon but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're making tasty whiskey no the, the, we're the just talking about money <laughs> yeah exactly it's just, you know financially speaking it's a, it's a good decision but in the, you know, I think what's interesting that the times we're living in now um, is that people are looking for authenticity in flavors, mm-hmm. and they're looking for more complex flavors. And just as the world of craft beer has matured from uh, everyone wanting a Coors Light or, or a Bud Light in the, in the 1980s to uh, uh, you know almost I think 20% of beer sales in America now are craft beers. Mm-hmm. Um, where which have much more uh, interesting, varied flavor profiles, including um, bitterness. You know, you're looking at IPAs, which are so super popular, yeah. um, and that's a that's a that's a complex uh, flavor note and mm-hmm. something that, that people develop over time. And just as people, I think, you know, were, were conditioned to like bourbon in the, in the 20th century, uh, people are looking for more almost adult flavors now as we move forward, and uh, that's what we're trying to offer you know especially while they're sitting at home yeah yeah oh, it's, it's widely available it's, i've been supplying a lot of it lately yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah you know and that that's that's one of the issues that, that we're facing right now as well is that obviously we've been i've been building my business and we were about to launch our distillery and tasting room in industry city um and unfortunately construction has ground to a halt yeah on that because um it's been mandated by the governor rightly so um but you know our, our big uh, flag waving tough something uh launch that we were having this year has been has been halted uh, we have products lined up like our new fort hamilton gin uh, which was slated to come out this spring which are also on hold um so we're uh, you know we're we're dealing with some of these issues as best we can and looking at how to, to focus the business and refocus it now and in the future and potentially retool it slightly. To hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer, yes, that, that's one, <laughs> one thing you could do. Um, uh, but also look at um, online sales. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the New York State has relaxed uh, the laws uh, 
around the three-tier system of distribution to allow craft distillers now to sell directly from mm. and ship across New York State. And gotcha. That's an interesting revenue stream. If you have finished the build-out of your distillery, which we haven't. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. But, I mean, there, there are things like that which it would potentially point to a future in which uh, the online um, market is going to be increasingly important. And I think we're, we're seeing that. Uh, you just have to look around. And yeah, definitely. all shifting that way. I think it was shifting that way generally, mm-hmm. but slowly. And um, I think we're going to see uh, an acceleration of that. And potentially, yep. uh, uh, you know, once the door is open, the horse ain't getting back in the stable. <laughs> we're going to give the horse a break for just a minute, okay? We'll be back in a, just a moment. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media. My guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. you a conscious co-creator are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness i'm sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant and on my show the conscious consultant hour awakening humanity we will touch upon all these topics and more listen live at our new time on thursdays at 12 noon eastern time that's the conscious consultant hour awakening humanity thursdays 12 noon on talkradio.nyc everybody welcome back once again you're listening to the entrepreneurial web i'm your host jeremiah fox we're bringing it to you live from brooklyn new york with my friend alex clark the owner of fort hamilton rye aptly named after one the base here the old uh fort hamilton base in bay ridge but also after the train station in our neighborhood winter terrace the fort hamilton station on the f so Alex was just talking to us about getting his 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 getting his legs in the uh, in the liquor industry, which can be hard to do, <laughs> but also uh, building a brand. And he pointed out three really interesting things, which I want to uh, kind of expand on in this section. Uh, Alex, you were just talking about online presence. Were you listening to Brent's uh, Brent's uh, portion at the beginning? Uh, I missed it. I'll I'll check it later. That's so crazy because that's all we talked about. Do you, do you know Brent Lagerman? He lived in the neighborhood for a long time. They had uh, uh, Founders Workspace up on Prospect and Tenth. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I, we have, our paths have not crossed somehow. Gotcha. So web design guy, building building uh, brands and, and even like e-commerce for for businesses. And he was saying the same thing. Like a lot of people were like, oh yeah, no, I need to do this. I need to do this. And like back against the wall, you're in the fly paper. You're like, holy shit, I got to do this now. Mm Got to launch that website. Got to make myself more available. Same with the wine store at Juicebox. We've been talking about building e-commerce site for 12 years and we did it last month (laughs) because it was like, it was, we just had to, we just totally totally had to. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and you said the state is going to allow, um, New York state distilleries that actually like have a tasting room and everything, they will be allowed to ship statewide. You won't be able to cross state lines, right? It's still just like, yeah, yeah, the distribution, uh, the the tangible distribution where you have to, you can only distribute in New York state. state has their own, you know, set of laws, some three tier systems like we have. 
Um, it's it's all somewhat archaic. Um, yeah, sure. Extremely opaque, especially when you start to cross state lines. Yeah, um, which we're close to a couple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so it's kind of crazy, right? Like I could send yeah. it to, you know, upstate New York and, you know, Syracuse, but I can't send it to Hoboken. Right. Which is, you know, like odd. 12, 12 miles away. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, we're going to work on that. We're going to work on those opaque laws. It's because they've been drinking too much bourbon. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those laws are also probably due for an update. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that the people have been looking at for a while. But um, there are businesses built on the fact that these laws are opaque. Um, and wholesalers uh, thrive on, on that because they can yeah. have it and they have their warehouses. And, um, but it creates um, all sorts of uncompetitive behavior. Um, but, you know, ultimately everyone gets the taxes paid, which is kind of the key for the government. And right. Understandably. Um, and the other argument that is used is that uh, it kind of keeps, helps keep liquor out of the hands of miners and helps keep counterfeit liquor out of the supply chain. Mm-hmm. All reasonable points. Yes. Uh, but we, you know, these, these laws were written down you know, almost a hundred years ago now. Right. The world has changed. So, big time. Yeah. Big time. Um, so for you as a supplier now, what have you noticed in terms of demand or lack thereof of your, like just, I mean, you speak from your product, but maybe you've spoken to other people as well. Yeah, I have. I mean, our, you know, our mix of, uh, uh retail stores versus, um, uh, restaurants and bars were skewed towards, uh, you know, liquor stores, uh, in terms of our, our business. Um, but to, you know, it's one thing selling, you know, a case or two in a liquor store and it's quite another thing getting onto a cocktail menu in a bar or restaurant, which increases exposure. It's hard to do and involves, you know, relationships and, and relationship building. But when you do it, that's really how you can build a brand. Uh, and get people to, to try it, and then they're like, ah, okay, then they go to the liquor store and buy a bottle as well. And hopefully, if you've done a reasonable job, they've become fans. Um, so obviously, that that portion of the business has just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's tricky. So how do you get people to taste your product? The, uh, the I'm, other still, I'm still selling battery apps to go. <laughs> <laughs> people oh, yeah. are still, they're like, oh, I want that There's one. I'm doing it, yeah. Yeah, like there's it. a few of us. Um, but you know, and, and that that's okay. That that keeps things going, um, mm-hmm. but uh, it's hard to expand like that. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, of moving through inventory, like I have to make decisions on my inventory three years in advance, three four years in advance. So there's going to be a lot of people around now that have a lot of inventory just sitting there, don't know what to do with it. Which may be good news because maybe there'll be a lot of cheap whiskey on the market later this year. Who knows? Right. Right. Um, but uh, the other way that that we uh, built our brand or we're building our brand through doing uh, liquor store tastings, in-store tastings, Thursday nights, Friday nights, Saturday nights, which we very much enjoy doing, meeting general public, getting to tell our story and be able to, to sell a bottle of whiskey at the same time. And um, that's something that's disappeared as well, which yeah. is one of the core elements of our business. So, um, yeah, we've, uh, you know, it's, it's tricky. How do you navigate this stuff? The new products that we had lined up to be um, to be released uh, through our distributor. Well, the distributors are hurting too, right? They they're sitting on inventory that they were pretty sure they were going to sell six months ago. That now they can't sell because yeah. their buyers in uh, restaurants and bars um, don't exist anymore. Those bars and restaurants don't exist currently, and may not come back either. Right. Um, so I guess one of the the largest challenges right now is to think is to even understand what the landscape looks like in, in a year's time or six months time or six weeks time. Yeah. Well, I I've been reading the, like the, the federal protocols for phase one of reopening a restaurant. And I mean, essentially like a place like Della, I don't think anybody could sit at the bar. You could not sit at the bar and get like your education from Taylor on Fort Hamilton rye whiskey, like have a sip and like watch him make a cocktail for you. Like that's not going to happen for some time. Even if like we survive, it's going to be like over a year before that could take place again. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. 
it's, it's massively crazy. And I know that the, the margins that you guys work with are minimal. And yeah. it's, uh, it's uh, you know, at the best of times, the margins are minimal. So to, to ask right. someone to, to half fill their restaurant and know about it like nothing's changed is, is impossible. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I don't, I don't know how anyone's going to navigate that. Um, uh, again, for, for me, it, it, you know, what do you turn to? Do you turn to online tasting? Do you turn to online education? We, we're still intending to open our tasting room and distillery this year. Um, this summer at this point, it looks like yeah. we're about to construction next month. Mm. Um, we're only a few weeks away from, from finishing the project. Um, maybe we can be hosting, uh, we will be hosting uh, whiskey education events. We'll be hosting maybe cocktail uh, classes, something perhaps where we don't have to pack a room full of people having a good time drinking cocktails, but can still, um, you know, talk about our product and, 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 and have, show people a good time. I think I think virtually is definitely the move. And it's it just the way, you know, that's what Brent and I talked about at the beginning of the show, just staying top of mind. And, and the other thing that you pointed out, which I think is really important is education. And I, I mean, just in everything right now, because I've got my ear to the rail on so many things. I'm involved in a number of different businesses. So I'm hearing it from all different sides. And people are just like, what the fuck is going on? And they just need that little nugget of information. And I've, I've taken that upon myself where at times where I'm like, fuck, man, I don't want to talk about this anymore. It's heavy for me too. It mm. is so important to just deliver that. People want that more than anything. And then like, okay, that guy helped me. I'll, I'll spend some money with him at some point. Maybe not right now, but like just to, just to put that out there and help, I think is huge. One last thing before we go, can you educate people where they can find out information about you and Fort Hamilton Rye? I'm glad you asked, Jeremiah. Thank you. FortHamilton.com <laughs> has all the info that you need. Uh, check How out do you spell that? Spell it for them. F-O-R-T-H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N.com. And at Fort Hamilton Rye, if you're an Instagram kind of person. Awesome. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up, man. Thank you so much. I'm glad we finally got you on the show. It took a goddamn pandemic to get you on the show. This (laughs) guy's a hustler. He was always like, sorry, man, I ain't got time. Nope. Friday, Friday. Forget about it. I can't do Fridays. Boy, too busy, man. You're like me. That's awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much. You know, I'm always going to patronize you and anything I can do to help uh, get your word out. I've always loved what you did. And he's fun too. He's a nice guy. If you get a chance to hang around, Alex, you got to stay six feet away, but that's close enough. (laughs) <laughs> any closer you're like i don't know man no he's yeah no right he's a great dude so check him out all right everybody have a great weekend take care of yourself make sure you wash your hands you're listening to the entrepreneurial web we'll see you next week peace out talking alternative radio 24 hours a day Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Hey, all you crazy listeners, looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? 
I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 